The scripture lesson this morning comes from Luke's Gospel, the 22nd chapter. And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there he appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. This is the word of the Lord. Last week we began our sermon series on the membership vows of the United Methodist Church. And Pastor Will did a good job talking us through prayer and why it's important in our life. And he also talked about different ways that we can pray. Have y'all been practicing any of those? Have y'all been practicing any of those? At least not, I guess. Good, good. Um, good, so we've talked about prayer. And this week we're going to move into our next membership vow, presence. I thought this passage from Luke that we just read today combines both prayer and presence in a pretty effective way. See, it it highlights what it looks like to be physically present. It highlights what it looks like to be emotionally present. It highlights what it looks like to be spiritually present. But it also highlights what it looks like when we're not wholly present in all of these ways. What does it mean to be present? What does that mean? Many of you can remember when you were in elementary school, I hope. And you remember when the day would start in your class and you'd all be sitting in your chairs in the desk. And the the teacher would start calling roll. And they'd call out, Josh, what would I say? Present, here. When I found out what present was, present. What did it mean? It meant that whether or not my brain had made it to school that day, at least I was in the chair. One of my favorite movies of all time is Hook. It's, as far as I'm concerned, one of those Robin Williams classics. Robin Williams plays this character, and the character that he plays is a grown-up version of Peter Pan. And somewhere along the way, Williams' character gets thrown in the midst of everyday life and becomes so focused on his job and climbing the ladder of success in his job that he ends up missing his children's childhoods. He doesn't remember what it means to be living in the present. He doesn't know what it means to be living in the moment anymore. He's always looking ahead, or how can I get there, or how can I get here but never, how can I live where I am? See, he's got a son in the movie, Jack. And Jack loves to play baseball. But more than anything, Jack just wants his dad to see him play baseball. And Williams promises to be at his son's big game. And he gets so engrossed in his job another time that when he arrives at the game, he's done well with his job. But he gets to the ballpark and nobody's there. He missed it again. I think this is probably one of the best metaphors I can think of for the way that we often treat our relationship with God, but also the way that we treat our relationship with the church. See, we make promises with good intentions, and we really do plan to follow through on those intentions until life gets in the way. I don't think people choose consciously to miss church or to not spend time with God because they don't think it's important. I don't think that often, I think that what often happens 
is that church and God are the most important things in a person's life as long as something more fun or more pressing doesn't present itself. It doesn't take very much before we start looking at that commitment that we made when we joined the church to be present quickly shifts to a commitment that we made when we joined the church to be present as long as there's not something better that comes along. See, presence is important. Physically being here with one another is important. Part of worshiping God and part of being disciples of Jesus Christ, part of understanding what it means to be in community requires that we actually be here on a regular basis. It's good for you to be here to hear the sermons. They're wonderful, I know. It's good for you to be here for the music. It's great. You can hear it. It's great that you're here for the coffee that's just the best in the world, but it's better that we can be here worshiping together as a community of believers. If our lives are to mirror that life which Jesus lived, we have to actually physically be here so that when we leave here and go out there, we can know how we're supposed to live. We can know exactly what it is that God wants us to do. In the reading today, Jesus takes the disciples up to the Mount of Olives. He leaves the disciples there together to pray while He goes a little further on to pray on His own. I think it's important to take note that the disciples were gathered together when they prayed. Jesus could have gone up on that mountain alone, and He could have let His disciples do whatever it was that they were doing on their own. But instead, He gathered them together and said, let's go up here. We need to go spend some time with God. There's something important about their physical presence with one another in this time that's going to be incredibly important. But it's also going to be incredibly difficult. See, this was going to start setting things in motion that would change the course of the world for all time. This is also something for us to notice. There's something important about our physical presence with one another here today. There's something about it about physically being here that allows us to connect with one another and to connect with God in a way that allows us to know what it is that God needs us to do and that also builds us up on the inside so that when tough things happen on the outside, we can handle it. It'd be easy for God to go about doing whatever it is that God does and allow each one of us to go about doing whatever it is that each one of us does throughout the rest of the week. But that's not who we are as Christians. As Christians, we are one body, the body of Christ, gathered together for one mission, to share the good news of the risen Christ to anyone who will listen so that they might come into a relationship with the God of all creation too. And that can't happen as well or as efficiently if we don't come together on a regular basis and worship. So the first way that we have to be present, the, the first way that we have to actually fulfill that vow that we've taken to be present is to be physically here on a regular basis. The second way that we have taken that vow to be present is to be spiritually and emotionally present. Have you ever been in a job that you really didn't want to be in? How did it feel? How productive were you? When I was in college during the summers, my dad would set it up with some folks in the church to where I would have a job and I would be doing manual labor for the summer. I think in his mind he knew that if I did that long enough, I'd be ready to go back to school and to do well again. And he was right. It gave me a chance to give my brain a little bit of a break, and it would give different parts of my brain a chance to fire in ways that they didn't usually do and, and give me a rest in other ways. 
And so he would set up a place for me to go work in the tobacco fields off of Pocket Road at the Clemson Extension. And after about three or four weeks of working in these tobacco fields, or working in the auto parts store at night, I would feel like I was just going through the motions. It was hard work. But the variety of work wasn't that great. A lot of what I was doing was the same thing over and over and over. It was a repetitive motion. My muscles started to learn exactly what they needed to do, and I could actually do my job while asleep. There was a guy that I would work with in the tobacco fields who had been doing this all his life. He loved it. It was his calling in life. He was pleasant. He always had a smile on his face, no matter how hot it was outside, no matter if it was raining. He was smiling as he worked in the tobacco fields. If he and I were doing the same exact thing that day in the field, no matter how hard I worked and no matter how easy it looked like he was working, he would always produce far more than I ever could. I discovered that it was because his heart was in it and mine wasn't. I was just there for a job. I did well at what I did, but I was just there for a job. He did it because it gave him joy. It energized him. See, the tobacco fields were the places where he felt the most at home. It was what he had done all his life. It was what his father had done all his life. It was what his grandfather had done all his life. It was home for him, and he loved it. When he showed up for work every day, he was spiritually and emotionally present. He was energized by what he did, and he truly believed in what it was that he was doing. Folks, it's the same way with Christians. When we come to church, or when we leave church and go out into the world, we're still worshiping God. And we've got to be spiritually and emotionally present in what we're doing, and we can do that. Because it's what we love doing. It energizes us. It gives us what we need to be able to be good disciples. We can produce fruit if we just keep coming and our hearts aren't in it. I could produce pretty good tobacco even with my heart not being in it. But look how much more we could do if our hearts were all the time. If it became second nature that we were just doing what it was that God was calling us to do without even having to think about it. If we could do that and let it energize us in such a way, imagine the fruit that God could produce through us. See, we could have something to show for our labor. And it would be good. So we know that presence is important, and we know that being physically present has to happen in order for community to take place. And we know that we have to be spiritually and emotionally present if we're going to move from a community of stagnation into a community of action that is producing good fruit here and now. The next questions that we have to answer are these. How can I be more physically present? So we know we have to be physically present. How can we be more physically present? And how can we be more spiritually and emotionally present? And I believe it comes down to a pretty simple answer to this, how do I be more physically present? Commitment. Commitment. No one's forcing us to be here. No one is forcing us to be Christians. It's a choice. It's just like any other choice in our lives. It's like the choice that we make to get out of bed or the choice that we make to brush our teeth in the morning, the choice that we make of what we're going to wear. We choose to pay our bills or not. We choose almost every single thing in our lives. We've chosen to come to church today. That's a good start. Good. There are a lot of other people who have chosen not to. We've chosen to gather together as a community of believers to praise God for all that He's doing in our lives and to ask God what it is that we are supposed to be doing now. We just have to keep committing to coming another week, to coming the week after that. 
We commit to raising our children. We commit to going to football games. Church is no different. It's a commitment. The how do I become spiritually and emotionally present question, that's a little more difficult to answer. See, it goes back to the part of what we talked about last week with prayers. We have to pray. That's non-negotiable. Praying helps to develop our relationship with God. We can't do it any other way. How many of you have tried to grow a plant before? Did it work? Maybe. Can you grow a plant if you don't water it? No. You can try. I've tried before. I've tried to grow a plant and I've not watered it and I've watched the leaves fall off of the plant. Being in a relationship with God is no different. You can try to be in a relationship with God all you want, but if you refuse to pray, you're not giving God the water that we need in that relationship to be able to grow. We've got to pray. In the same vein, we also have to read the Bible. The Bible is the foundation of what it is that we believe. It's God's Word to us. It's the story of who we are as God's children. It's the story of, frankly, the ways that we don't always get it right, but how God still loves us anyway. It's also the story of ways that we have gotten it right. And it's good for us to see those stories and to learn from them too. So we have to pray. We have to read our Bible. The third way that we can work on being spiritually and emotionally present is by being in small groups with one another. We have all sorts of small groups here at Central. We've started several this past year using a curriculum called the Disciples Path. And it's gone well. People who have taken it, if you talk to them, they'll tell you that they have learned things that either they had no idea were the case, or they've been reinforcing things that they knew were the case, and they just needed to have it put in front of them again. So be on the lookout for a disciple's path coming in the future. But we also have many other ways to be involved in small groups here. We have several disciple classes going on at any given time here at Central. Those are good. They are a long-term commitment, but you get out of it what you put into it, right? We've got different groups that are based around common interests. John Frank, who was taking pictures, he, I think he's in a photography group, and they take pictures and they talk about God. We've got other people who are, they, they enjoy building things. So they build ramps and they, they work on people's homes to make their lives better, and then they talk about God. And then we have other people who even bake together. They bake cupcakes and they talk about God. Find a group of people that you can be with that you can be in this, this circle of trust with, and start to share your story with them. Let them share their story with you. Start building those relationships. And over time, participating in these prayers and in reading Scripture and, and in these small groups, you'll find that there are less and less times in your life when you're not focused on God. As Christians, we're trying to get to the point to where no matter what it is that we are doing, our faith, our belief in God just comes naturally. It shapes every decision that we make without even having to consciously say, what is it that God is calling me to do? You've just got that open line of communication with God to where your heart has been changed in such a way that it just happens. That's what it means to be truly present. Truly living in the moment for God and with God. It's not an overnight thing. It's not something you're going to say, I'm going to get it right and it'll happen immediately. It takes time, and it takes effort, and it takes energy, and it takes commitment. I want to go back to the reading from today for just a moment. Jesus knew these disciples. He knew them better than anybody else, probably. He spent so much time with them. They knew Him. See, they had made a commitment to follow Jesus. 
But time and again, they fell asleep. And here it is again when things are about to get really, really important and really difficult. And they fall asleep. But we find plenty of grace in this story. Even when the disciples fell asleep, we see Jesus being present in their lives. It's no different with us. Jesus knows us very well. Some of us know Jesus very well. And when things get difficult, or when they're going fine, and we fall asleep, Jesus is still there with us. He knew these disciples were about to go through one of the hardest times in their lives. And a lot of times when we're going through these patches, we shut down. We close people out. I just physically get tired and go to sleep. I mean, I could have been one of these disciples. It was getting tough. Let's go to sleep. That's what some of us do. But I think that that is exactly what happened with these disciples on this night. It was just too much for them to handle. And they went to sleep, and when their eyes opened up, they saw God's love standing right there in front of them, realizing that they had messed up again, but He was still there with them. When they couldn't be physically or emotionally or spiritually present on their own, God was present with them. God was present for them. It's the same way with us. When we can't always be spiritually or physically or emotionally present on our own, God's presence is right here with us. It worked out well today that this is World Communion Sunday. People throughout the world are celebrating the Lord's Supper. They're celebrating God's presence. For those of us who find it difficult to be wholly present, in whatever way that may mean, and for all of us, that's the case from time to time, may we find God's presence at the table today. As we come forward to the Lord's table, may we taste and see that God is present with us always, even when we can't be. If we find that we've been asleep for a while, if we find that we've been going through the motions, or if we find that we've just been having trouble making it here, let's recommit ourselves to what it is that we've decided to do, what it is that God has called us to do. Let's recommit to coming week after week as if it's another vital, important part of our lives, because it is. It's who we are. We're Christians. We gather together. We build the kingdom together. We worship God together. It's a commitment. That's presence.